if you ask me, it's pretty brutal to consider yourself a trader and to not have a driver's license because the fact is you do need to take one step forward, three steps back. Don't worry, you won't experience any deja vu because good for you, this is enough for you. I couldn't be happier for you. Honestly, jealousy, jealousy is no factor in any of this um, because quite frankly, it's my fake favorite crime and I hope you're okay. This week on My Taste of Music is Terrible, we talk Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> I hope you're okay. That, that was that was a lot. Take a breath, my guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, just feeling cool, feeling feeling good, feeling loose in the cans today. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> good, good app so far. <laughs> nice. Uh, don't write that. Don't timestamp that, Jonathan. I'm not timestamping it. I'm just looking at my notes. So, oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I was> about... <laughs> Did you forget how to talk? <laughs> no, I was gonna start talking about the album, and then I was like, "Oh wait, we have intro stuff that we do." Like, oh yeah, do like we? like oh, what's man. Gerard weighing on your ears? Yeah. Well, first of all, we should say uh, so my, my name is TK. Oh, my name is Tanner. My name is Nathan. My name is Jonathan. And my name is TK, and uh, we. <laughs> Collaboratively make up this thing called My Taste of Music is Terrible. Um, <laughs> we are so bad at this. <laughs> oh okay. my gosh. Okay, we, so uh, what is happening right now? So, my thought process was I was like, oh, I'm going to start talking about the album. And then I was like, oh no, wait, we got to do What's Dread Weighing on Your Ears. And then I was like, oh, but I did it in the last episode, so someone else should do it. So, I just <laughs> sat there silently. Well, and I, I think to give context, the reason we're doing a single album kind of study if you will is because yeah. it's been collectively gerard weighing on our ears right uh, i think true. all of us individually if i'm not mistaken we're maybe not tk um we're fans of this album like i heard it uh, obviously driver's license was on the radio everywhere and i wasn't super interested in that track but then i heard brutal and i was like "Ooh, what is this uh, mm-hmm. and then i mm-hmm. and then i listened to the rest of the album and i thought it was great I think we kind of dragged TK into it a little bit. No, no, no I was an early adopter. You were? Yeah, yeah. he was. It was Jonathan it, that didn't I wasn't like it. an early adopter. Well, no, I, I thought it was okay at first because mm. I kind of listened to it at work and I was only half paying attention. Um, but now I am a, a big fan of this album and a big fan of Olivia Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert. So. Yes, yes. Pretty incredible stuff. Well, so we were talking about um, just to just to be super clear, we're talking about her album called Sour, mm-hmm. not any of the other ones. We don't know what other songs she has done with High School Musical, <laughs> the musical, the series. <laughs> um, that was a joke because she doesn't actually have any other albums. She, mm-hmm. yeah, she was like an actor for Disney stuff. Mm-hmm. What was she an um, actor in again? In High School Musical, the musical, the series. Right. Uh, she was um, also on a show with Logan with jake paul oh really she's on a show with jake paul oh. on the disney channel huh yeah hmm. so, i forgot he was on the disney channel i i try to forget about him as much as possible i was gonna say i forgot him 
Yeah, he's, um, a, he's a guy. Yep. Yeah, those this is true. Those two, man. Um, yeah, what a weird combo. Yeah. Bizarre Vark. That's what it was called. Bizarre Vark. Okay. Bizarre Vark. Interesting. Well, I guess it's safe to say she's come a long ways, right? Right. Uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, none of us are a fan of really any Disney Channel shows right now, and we all liked this album quite a bit. Um, it's it's funny because it's it's like a breakup album, really, mm-hmm. right? Like every mm-hmm. single song mm-hmm. is basically a breakup song, and yet I loved it. I usually hate breakup albums in general. So, yeah, I actually was I listened to it this morning um, again. I mean, I've heard it many times, but um, I was realizing it's it is more breakup album than this, but it's almost kind of like a concept album about a breakup because it, it almost kind of like tells a story. Right. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's act, it, In mm-hmm. a weird way, it's almost kind of a meta commentary. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say, I was going to go for it, and then I kept laughing. Yeah, how does this it. album fit into the whole emo spectrum? Yeah, you know, honestly, that is a good question. In, it's funny because I feel like so much of like what is interesting going on in music is the genre lines are really blurring. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you have, you have rappers making better pop punk than most pop punk bands right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, like I, I think that even stylistically and aesthetically, like different s- styles are borrowing from different styles and culture so much. So that's happening to music. I would honestly say that, she though i wouldn't call it emo i would call it emo adjacent sure right I, you know yeah. I, um so i was trying to think about it she doesn't sound like like let's let's kind of think about like her contemporaries okay i wouldn't i wouldn't say that she sounds like billy eilish that much no nope. nope. i wouldn't say she nope. sounds like selena gomez i wouldn't say she sounds like ariana grande ariana grande chiverches Ch- right um, Chiverches is maybe the closest. Yeah, right. I'm well, sure people love us saying Chiverches because it's not it's not indie rock. Right. It's no. not that poppy. There's like no R and B. There's no R and B influences on this entire thing, and and a lot of it too is kind of like soft piano ballads. And I was kind yeah. of getting some like th- this is interesting, but like wh- what's that Sia song that's like just pianos? It was really big like ten years ago. Oh. I don't remember what it was called. I yeah, was getting like that know, vibe. Like a couple song titles. That's like what but this whole album reminded know. me of. I think was that song. You could maybe describe it as like bedroom pop, <clears throat> like the kind of stuff people would record in their bedroom kind of deal. Cause it's pretty stripped down and simple. At least a lot of the tracks are. It's chandelier. Like, chandelier. No, not Chandelier. That one was 2014. Chandelier is like, no, huge. this one's like t- 2009. Yeah. Oh, even older. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I don't but, think I know anything before Chandelier. It's pretty raw though. Like there's, it's it's interesting where it's you know like an Ariana Grande album is very produced, right? Like it's it's immaculately produced, but very produced. But this feels a lot more raw and like exposed in terms of her vocal performance. I would say. Breathe me. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't actually know that song. I would say that this is like bedroom pop ultimate form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, like, I because th- I mean, like, let's let's kind of talk about what bedroom pop is as well. 
because like bands like Joan and like Valley and I I don't know like bands that are like very independent and doing their own thing. So like I'm not thinking of like Honey, which is like kind of the bedroom pop sound, but they're not really because they have the backing of Epitaph Records. Um, Coin is not bedroom like even though they have like kind of similar sounds, but like Joan and Valley because they are literally bedroom pop. They're making it in their bedroom. Um, it's like, it's, it's pulling lots of influence from like the early or sorry, not early late nineties. Um, aesthetically as, as, as well as like stylistically. So they're wearing a lot of like that kind of influence on their sleeves, which is ironic because a lot of those people were not even born in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I think, yeah, this is like bedroom pop ultimate form. Yeah, at least some of it. I mean, obviously songs like Good For You and Brutal are, you know, have a lot more instrumentation. Yeah, right? I think there's like, there's definitely some like, like punk roots kind of in some of these songs, specifically those two. I mean, yeah. especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in like a lot of her like vocal style, it's like she sings almost like a pop punk singer kind of like in in some of her like uh mm-hmm. like the way that like her vowels and like strong consonants and stuff um which i think is really cool a brutal is like i mean basically a punk song and it's yeah. awesome mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it, it reminds me of like bikini kill or like really yes. old like 70s punk yeah that's exactly i would bikini kill is exactly who i was thinking of actually with that song do we just have a moment? We did just have a moment. Nice. Um, smooth. All right. Um, moving on from that. Um, I agree that that is Bikini Kill-esque, like, yeah, like 1970s, like proto-punk punk stuff. Um, I One of the bands that came to mind when I was listening to this, too, was in Brutal, like, is, like Bikini Kill, and then Florence and the Machine has a song, Kiss with a Fist. Yes, mm-hmm. that's such a good and track. that song... I feel like it really reminds me of Good For You as well as um, Brutal. Yeah, yeah. But then also, like, I think it's really cool because, like, she doesn't do any of the, like, kind of hi-hat, like, trap beat and then, like, mumbly. You know, like, it's just, it's none of that. Like, there, I feel like nothing that is on pop radio right now is anything like what's on this album. Right, and I remember like when Driver's License took over the radio, I hadn't heard a ballad on the radio yeah. in years. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of yeah. ballads. Which, if I had one thing to fault this album with, is that there are a lot of ballads. I, I really like Deja Vu, or I do like Deja Vu, but I really like Good For You and Brutal, and I just mm-hmm. wish she dug into that a little bit more. Um, but like all of the ballads are super solid. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I can't complain about them. I just like... In terms of ratio, I would have preferred more of that. And, you know, obviously that's because my preference is for more pop punk. But, um, yeah, it is funny that um, I think Good For You is currently getting the most airtime on the radio. Oh, yeah. It's the one I hear the most. um, And so I think people are gravitating towards that. But but it's kind of incredible that she got a ballad to, like, a number one radio hit and then immediately got, like, a female-driven punk song 
two also number one, which I hadn't heard on the radio either right. in a really long time. Like driver's license is over a billion streams on Spotify mm-hmm. right now, yeah. <laughs> which is absurd. That's almost more than this podcast. Almost. Yeah. It's yeah. like neck and neck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just don't look. Take our words. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't fact check that. Yeah. Um, so should we talk about the whole good for you thing Paramore, Paramore thing? Or do we want to so. start so talking about lyrics stupid. and stuff? Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, if you've been on TikTok or Instagram at all in the last few weeks I'm, or a few months, I'm sure you do. But um, a lot of people are comparing and making like mashups of good for you leading into Misery Business by Paramore. Um, and so much so that Olivia Rodrigo is actually paying royalties and has given songwriting credit to Haley Williams. Um, so we all have opinions on this mm. about whether or not that should be happening and why. So who wants to go first? I'll, I'll go first. Um, I do have thoughts. I have written them out. First of all, I, I know the song Misery Business really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the album Riot really well. It's one of my favorite albums. And when I first heard this song, I'm not even sure if I listened all the way through before when you guys mentioned the whole conflict with Paramore. And even though I know Bis- Misery Business so well, and I've listened to Good For You a lot, I, don't, I still don't see a ton of resemblance. I see some of the bare bones, like the, some of the song structure. Mm-hmm. Like there is that quick break before the first chorus. There is that lead up to the instrumental with that drum fill. Yep. Um, there's a few other things. So maybe she gave royalties to Paramore because in her heart she knew that, you know, she'd ripped off part of Misery Business. But it doesn't sound like that to me. It, it doesn't sound close enough that she'd have to do that. Yeah. I think I, she just did that to bury it. It's like settling out of court. Right. Exactly. Right. Just, to, just like, to shut everyone up. Yeah. To shut everybody up and then to also like cover her butt. Right. Yeah. So I agree, Jonathan. I don't think that they're similar enough at all that it's necessary. Um, the, the legal uh, requirement is te- there has to be a 10% um, difference. Mm-hmm. Right. Which right. is kind of like, how do you actually quantify that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you looked at like the, the literal notes that are used, I mean like you could, but I would argue that even if you mathematically went through and assessed everything, it would not even be close to 10%. Right. Right. And yeah. there's artists who've done, Way worse. Like, way Irfane worse. wrote a really good song that Bruno Mars straight up ripped off. No ramifications. You yep. know, I think it's honestly like you were saying that drum lick into the chorus mm-hmm. where it's just a really fast snare roll that yeah. made it easy for the mashups to sound convincing. Yeah. Right. When they're in the same key. Exactly. They're like the and, same tempo. And I think a lot of people just maybe in the back of their heads were just kind of thinking about the lyrical content mm-hmm. and how it's a bit similar. It's not the same. It's not yeah. talking about the same thing, but it's, it's a similar thing. It's relationships um, in high school or yeah, I mean, wherever. I think misery business is written to another girl where it's good for you. Is- right. Exactly. So it's not the same, but it's in a similar vein. 
So it might have been a subconscious thing, at least that part of it. I don't know. Yeah. But I saw a video on Instagram the other day of someone who mashed up uh, driver's license with take me to church from Hozier. And mm-hmm. I'm like, so now should she pay royalties to him too? No. Like that, that's, that's the issue that I think is created is like now that it, it, it I'm worried that it will set a press precedence. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's the right word. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's kind of like, cause you could do that with so many songs and, and like Nathan said, there's way worse versions of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, have you seen that mashup of like six different country songs that are basically identical? Oh, seriously. I mean, you want to start talking about worship music? <laughs> like, you, want, you want to start talking about pop punk? Yeah, for like, real. They're like, come on, who, what pop, this is where I get heated because what pop punk band has not ripped off Blink-182? Like you want to talk about 10% different. I could quantify yeah. easily every Sum 41 song, mm-hmm. every freaking good Charlotte song mm-hmm. and hold it mm-hmm. up to the limelight of Blink-182 and good. I, I'm just going to say definitively, I don't think good for you is anything like misery business. And I think it's like an internet fed that yep. people jumped on. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I get frustrated because this is a kid She's not even 18. This is a kid. Well, she she was by the time the album came out. Oh, she was? Okay. Yeah. Well, then, I mean, still, like, She wrote 18, it at 17. But, yeah. and, and it's so frustrating because they're just jumping on this kid. And, and the okay, so, like, Finn McKenty did an incredible video about this exact topic. Mm-hmm. And talked about how it's so frustrating because kids um, and people that are new to the scene, w- when this is the kind of gatekeeping that occurs, it really discourages, like trying to do your own thing because you're so paranoid that you can't like that you'll accidentally rip off something Mm -hmm. or be noticed and like this poor girl like she's just trying to write a song and like everyone's freaking out about it right and i feel like that's so unfair and that makes me really frustrated and i think too like someone was i can't even remember who i was talking to about this not specifically this instance but kind of creativity in general and they were saying like you kind of have to start from a point of reference when you're creating something because if you tried to create something that's wholly original, it sounds forced like every single time. Mm-hmm. And I've thought a lot about that where like I've tried to make music before and I'm like, how many times, if anyone out there, all of us too, have tried to write a song and then been like, oops, I just wrote this song that I already knew, right? Like, yeah. because you're subtly influenced by the things that you love. And I think that's always going to be the case. Mm-hmm. So like whether or not she even was aware of Misery Business, it's entirely possible she was. They were a super influential band. Like she may not have even had the slightest thought of that right. song while writing it, but was still influenced by it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like people are influenced by artists they love all the time. So I also kind of feel bad for the person who made the original mashup video because people love making mashup videos where they'll combine two songs that they like right. that work well together. Mm-hmm. I seriously doubt that person was trying to start this whole thing. And then like, Everyone just jumped down her throat, and and uh, I don't know. And That's... then even like Courtney Love, because she has that photo of her crying and holding a bouquet, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Olivia does. Mm-hmm. And Courtney Love jumped on that because that's on the cover of a whole album, and she was like throwing shade at her. And it's like, shut up! <laughs> like who you washed up, old bag? <laughs> shut up! <laughs> and you definitely killed Kurt Cobain. So. Oh, oh no! <laughs> yeah, it, that 
and it, it just makes me so angry because it's this attitude of are uh, you you kids you know and you're not yeah. it's just it's not a respect because I, I do believe like I mean yeah we can say negative things about Gen Zers right like we're all millennials um, but like if if we want to see the scene continue and to see people rise up and do incredible things like we are to foster the creativity of the younger generation we're not to squash that or be critical of it or to say well you can't do it this way because these people did it this way right and that makes me just shut up yeah and i I mean i think the worst thing about this is that this album was like one of the least kind of industry feeling albums Mm -hmm. right like it felt it did not feel like it was made in a lab like some of these albums that come out i mean she said that she's written most of these in her garage or in her house and her piano so yeah absolutely did not did not come from a producer studio at least the bare bones of the songs which is i would have more of a problem if i felt like that was the case yeah like if an ariana grande album was like clearly ripping someone off it's like well there were like 30 ghostwriters probably that oh yeah you know and you just kind of expect that to a certain point and nobody really cares i'm actually looking at this lyric sheet and I just discovered, maybe you guys knew this already, but One Step Forward, Three Steps Back was written by Olivia Rodrigo and Taylor Swift. Yes. Oh. Cool. Did not know that. Which, that was another thing. People were saying, oh, like, she so obviously was ripping off Taylor's style, and they were citing that song, and I was like, have you read the credits? It's like, uh, Taylor yeah. wrote that song. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Because a lot of this album, I feel like, is like an homage to Taylor's music, too. Um, a lot of the ballady songs sound very much like that. Yeah, so that's true. Also, side note, I bet none of the other Paramore band members besides Haley Williams are getting any of the f- money. I was thinking from the this. same thing. I'm like, <laughs> of course it's freaking Paramore too, because you know that's all going into Haley's pocket. Uh huh. Do we know oh. how kind of Paramore reacted to this? Because obviously, like, they could have just been like, we're dropping it, you know. They, uh, from what I understand, they've made no comments. Yeah, okay. I haven't seen anything at all. Okay. I, I mean, again, so guys, like, seriously, if you if you want to know more about, like, this is just a small section of the discussion today, but, like, again, Finn McKenty with the Punk Rock MBA on YouTube talked about this in depth, and it is awesome. And he's, mm. he's going to do a way better job of talking about it than us because he... Um, Knows what he's, he's, he's smarter than me. <laughs> yeah, uh, his he taste of music is terrible. I just, I just, the thing that just really makes me mad, at, I think, is just people that have had success and that are washed up now, trying to get back in the limelight by poking finger and starting beef. And like, dude, honestly, like, if I saw that, like, if if I saw somebody make an homage to my art, I'd be flattered and stoked. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, you be like, yeah, yeah. You dumb kid. Like, no, I'd be like, you're awesome. Come on. And keeping the style alive, you know? Like, cause like I said, I hadn't heard like a female driven pop punk song on the radio in years. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that there was one again was awesome. Like it gives, like that would give Paramore a little bit more context to release another pop punk album. It's true. So yeah. Well, like how many people are like looking up hole in Courtney love now because of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many people didn't know who Courtney Love was until this? I still don't know who Courtney Love is. All I know is she was dating Kurt Cobain. That's all yeah, I know. I gathered dated, that. She dated Kurt Cobain. She was the lead singer of Hole, which okay. was a grunge band in the 90s. Okay. Um, and my th- personal feelings are just that she murdered Kurt Cobain. I just, I think she did. 
I think she did. The evidence is uh, overwhelmingly inconclusive. inconclusive, but those are my personal feelings. I love how whenever TK says something kind of scandalous, Jonathan tags it in the audio. Because <laughs> <laughs> Courtney Love will listen to this. Yeah. She's hanging Her and Rebecca St. James are going to hang out and have a listening party for this podcast. Did you hear them say you were an old hag? <laughs> is that an Australian accent? I don't, I don't know anymore. Okay. To be fair, Rebecca St. James accent is like, Australian and Southern. Mm. Like, it's really... Hey, y'all, put a shrimp on the bobby. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually a... That was actually flawless. Wait, is Rebecca St. James here? No, that was a video (laughs) clip. Oh, no, she's got a knife. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about, like, just the album and what we like about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So we already talked about kind of, like, you know the punk elements of it and stuff and mentioned brutal and good for you being like really awesome female driven punk songs um i think that there's a lot here to like i do agree i think that there are like it this album is mostly ballads which is a little bit like um as much as i have listened to it many many times front to back it does make it like less of a like great experience to listen to front to back just because there's so many ballads Mm -hmm. um so yeah good for you has been stuck in my head for like six weeks so good for you um yeah um a couple things that (laughs) that i wanted to mention um one of them's on the song happier which may be my favorite track on the record FYI. Oh, really? Interesting. I love that song. Cool. Um, I think it's really, I think it's cool. Like it's, it's got almost this like, um, like this, when you hear the music, it almost makes you think like, of like being on a carousel. Like it's like, it's meant to sound almost like carnival, like happy. Mm. Um, which is, I mean, obviously the song is called Happier, but it's all about like, I hope you're happy, but like not as happy as you were with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does something really brilliant with the lyrics in the bridge, I think. Um, where did it go? Um, yeah, so she says, I wish you all the best, really. Say you love her, baby just not like you loved me and think of me fondly when your hands are on her, um, which does not rhyme very intentionally because as you're listening to it, it's like you almost expect it to say when your hands are on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she doesn't do that. She does the opposite, which is like, I think very intentional and really, really cool. Um, it's like a, just a really cool, like lyrical thing to do. Um, and then, well, yeah, I have other things I want to say about a couple other songs, but um, Jonathan, why don't you talk? Because you said that's your favorite song it, on it the may record. Be. I, don't, I mean, I don't really have a ton more notes in that song other than that. I just I just think it's a really beautiful song. Um, there, there are a lot of things that she talks about this album relating to breakups that I think she handles maturely, mm-hmm. more maturely than other people would Uh, i mean there's there are songs where she's lashing out and she's being honest about her feelings um there's i'm just looking through my notes um there's one song that i'm trying to remember 
Um, oh, I can't, can't find it. Um, yeah, there's just, there's just some that maybe, maybe I'll find it later. Um, there's a song that, um, she doesn't talk about things as maturely as I think she should, or, um, just, you know, she's, she's a teenager. Um, but I'll, I'll find it and provide more context for that once I find the lyric, which I wrote down, but I can't find. Um, but yeah, I just think happier is a, it's just a really beautiful song. There's a lot of them on this album. A lot of the ballads are just very smartly written. A lot of the lyrics are, they're all from the heart, honestly. Um, the only song that I don't feel like fits on this album though is Jealousy Jealousy, which is just a little different. I knew I figured that would not be how everyone else thought. Interesting. I'd be okay with that not being on the album. Hmm. I I like the song okay. It's just is a it's a tonal shift. It's a different feel. It's not it's just um not it's not necessarily from a personal perspective, I feel like. The instrumentation was a little different than the others. Um, it's just, it's kind of a hard turn hmm. in another direction that it turns back when it goes into, uh, what was the other song after that favorite crime? Um, those my, that's my thought Interesting. on that song in particular and happier. That that's rambly. yeah. <laughs> Can I say something? No. <clears throat> <laughs> I mean, you said no. I was just—I was gonna try to see how long it would be silent, but but I was like, that's really a bad podcasting. So. <laughs> it, would just, it would be great if we just ended it there. <laughs> no. All right, thank you. Um, no, I think uh, so. What I do for money is I teach um, fifth grade. Um. Uh, it's uh, fifth grade in a middle school, so it's a little different uh, than I, I feel like what most people are used to, and it's uh, it's cool because I am I'm just around kids all day, and this so to, in preparation for doing this episode, I put on this album, and uh, we would have like writing days, so basically we listen to this album on repeat. And every class that came in, so like the period would change every 45 minutes, the new kids would come in and all the kids would just freak out. They loved this album. And I feel like one of the things um, to note about Olivia Rodrigo is her simplistic, like the simplistic way that she writes songs um, and how relatable she is. Mm -hmm. uh, she's not Ariana Grande where she's writing, you know, seven rings about how wealthy she is, you know, like. I feel like she's so, Olivia is so relatable and you're able to map yourself onto her and she sings mm -hmm. about things that are like you, you're like, that's happened to me or that might happen to me or I don't want that to happen to me. Yeah. And I feel like, especially with young girls, cause I'm around young girls all day. I feel like they're, that's where their head space is and mm -hmm. that's why they they cling to this because it's yeah. so like, well, I'm going to get my driver's license soon or, you know, like, and, and I think that that's a really special thing. And I, I really admire her because she's not, she's not crazy. She's not skanky. <laughs> like she's, she's just kind of like this normal person. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I really like how she uses her platform. I, I, I think I admire her as a person almost more than as a songwriter and musician. Mm. And the way that I feel like she's positively impacting kids. And you can be like, well, you know, not sure. But I think like we generationally, we need a sounding board and somebody that will kind of be like that person that we can like identify with. And I, I do think for our generation, that was Taylor Swift. Yeah. I think the person that we were able to do that with was, was her. I mean, because like she wrote songs about not being the cool girl in school. She wrote songs about liking guys and not having them like, you know, and like just things that were super relatable. And then she had good catchy songs to, to go under those things. And I, I feel like that was kind of like what, like what made Taylor Swift the biggest songwriter of our generation. And I feel like if Olivia is able to, I, if she walks away from songwriting completely at this point, or if she continues in that trend, she's going to have an amazing career. Yeah. Yeah. Or a legacy. Even if this is like the only thing she does. Yeah. And I think one of the things, um, that she does is write incredibly intelligent lyrics in a simple to understand way. Mm -hmm. Um, like something that Mm -hmm. struck me about driver's license is the emotional connection between two completely isolated events, right? Like me getting my driver's license and us being together had been emotionally conflated. And then when one thing ceased and the other thing happened, it just kind of reminded her of that. Right. And that's something that really happens all the time, but I don't know that I've ever heard a song target that so well. Uh, and, and the way that she wrote it is very poetic, but simple. And it's not like, you know, flowery and like, oh, look at me. I'm, I'm writing such a heady song. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just really simply profound. And mm-hmm. I think that she's really good at writing that way. Um, and also just the production of it helps a lot. Like, I think like, I mean, we, we've talked about Ariana, Ariana Grande a lot, but like her first album was really good. And it had kind of such a stripped down production that you kind of felt more of a closeness to the singer versus when you get something super produced and maybe anthemic or huge sounding, it's like a little less relatable almost just because you feel some distance from the vocalist. And I think that she does a really good job of that. And, uh, and like the, the song one step forward, three steps back, I think is really good where it's just kind of like this raw emotional thing, but the brilliance is in like the way that it goes from like a waltz to like four, four and back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it just gives you this weird, which is really cool. It's like, like that's yeah. really cool. She's doing like this Jekyll and Hyde thing with like the guy that she's dating. Like, who am I going to get today? And she switches up the song accordingly um, between verse and chorus. I think that's genius. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah. there's so many little things on this album that are really subtle, <clears throat> but I think are brilliant and help a lot. And I, you know, she seems like a humble genius in a sense. Like, I think that's what helps a lot is that she's not super arrogant or full of herself, but she's also not stupid and she does really smart things with her music. So Mm -hmm. I respect her a lot. And if, if we go back on the way that this podcast has decided to define emo driver's license is an emo song because it's taking something that is like, it's like, it's a, like it's, it's not telling you how to feel about something, but it's connecting emotions and in like, you know what you said, like taking that that experience of having this thing, and then also like it's using kind of like that that physical thing that they're talking about and describing, mm-hmm. and it's very real world, very relatable, 
Like really visceral. Really visceral. But then it's, it is like you feel all those emotions regardless of what she's telling you to, or she doesn't even tell you what to feel. Right. And yeah. like that is an emo song. Um, yeah. And I think going back to two things, what Nathan just said about like the little things that she does, like kind of subtle differences, like this one's a little bit less subtle, but it's about the song jealousy, jealousy. So I'm going back to that, what Jonathan mentioned as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I love what she does in the bridge of that song when it's almost like lyrically, she starts like diving into like what it does to your brain when you are comparing yourself to other people on social media and how there's like this image of perfection that everyone puts up. Um, and as she's like, she's saying the words, let's see, what are the actual lyrics? Um, uh, for reference, we're reading the lyric jacket, which is all in her handwriting. Yeah. It's which hard is to good read. handwriting, <laughs> yeah. but it's not, it's not a font. And that's a cool <laughs> thing that they did. It's really small. Yeah. So she says, yeah, all your friends are so cool. You go out every night in your daddy's nice car. Yeah, you're living the life. Got a pretty face, a pretty boyfriend too. I want to be you so bad and I don't even know you. All I see is what I should be, happier, prettier, jealousy, jealousy. And as she's singing all that, and it, she she repeats that again, the all I see is what I should be. I'm losing it. All I get is jealousy, jealousy. They're playing these like dissonant chords on the piano behind it. Yeah. And it's just, it's brilliant because she's diving. It's like it it feels wrong like musically you're like oh that doesn't sound right but it fits the song still and it's because that's like what she's portraying is like this is not a good thing <laughs> right and like it it is kind of like an oxymoron of like social media i mean this is talked about a ton and like but social media is something that is like great because it connects everyone but also is terrible for us because everyone decides to put up this affront of like perfection um, and then at the same time, everyone is also comparing themselves to everyone else and how they're perfect. And we all know we're not perfect, even though we're pretending to be on social media. Mm. And so it, it just has created this horrible dissonance socially mm. that she tries to portray with those chords in that bridge, which I think is brilliant. Now I want to touch on what Jonathan said. And I think that this album actually absolutely needs jealousy, jealousy on mm. it. Because, first of all, otherwise, your last four songs are all ballads, back to back. But I also think, I talked about this album being like a like a concept album about a breakup almost. I also think that there's a lot of like this motif of growing up and becoming an adult. Um, and I think that that fits that theme really well. Um, musically, yes, it is really different. I I think if the whole album sounded like brutal, good for you and jealousy, jealousy though, like it would still fit. So it's kind of like these two sounds that are coming together on this one record. I, I still think that jealousy, jealousy didn't sound as or fit as well as good for you and brutal. I think good for you and brutal fit way better. It's definitely the most different. I'm just saying, I think if like, if you, if you were to pair jealousy, jealousy with those two songs, it fits better. Yeah. And so I do think it still belongs on this album. And I think that it has something really important to say, especially what TK is talking about where like, not that she knew releasing this album, she was going to be like basically the biggest thing in pop right now. Yeah. But like it, like thank God that she's talking about that. And it's something that like fifth graders are listening to. Yeah. Well, and I think also like for her to sing about that, 
I, for me, if I were a fifth grade girl, I'd take great comfort in that because like, oh, cool. Olivia Rodrigo feels that way. Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. she is like, she's a beautiful woman. So like the fact that like she even has those insecurities, I think is like, is, is probably nice. I mean, like, it's nice for me to hear that because it's like, holy crap, like, I, there's always going to be somebody that is more successful, more attractive, has a more interesting life, you know, and I, I think that that's a good thing. I, I do want to mention, though, that I do, I, I feel like this is a very non-Gen Z album in, in a sense because there, it does, it mentions the hypocrisy of social media, right? So it talks about that. It's not like a, it's not an album that is out for a cause or for a, a mm-hmm. social like justice reason. Mm-hmm. It's really just an album that's like, here's my emotions and here's what I'm going through, mm-hmm. w- which is interesting that it's that popular because it like, I feel like the values of like what the youth is for right now, it, it doesn't align with any of them right now. I think a lot of the youth is for honesty, whether they say that or not. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, <clears throat> it doesn't feel like this album is out to to win a battle or are mm. out to prove a point. I see. Yeah. It's it's just like here, it's just a sympathetic ear, and, yeah. and I, I think that like that shows like what actual good songwriting that identifies and hits and lasts mm-hmm. is. Yeah, and I, I, th- I think too like brutal, brutal is like a how can I say this? Because I watched the music. That the first time I heard Brutal was watching the music video, and I feel like it's kind of like she's like saying she's kind of like fighting back on like the whole like well like enjoy your youth like it's you know and she's saying like no there are problems there are struggles this is hard it's hard for us and I think like as much as you can be like well like Gen Zers like you know. Um, <laughs> That they do have a very unique battle right now that they are fighting, and I, I've seen that play out. But I feel like she did a great job of like bearing the burdens of that generation in a in a like in a way that wasn't like we're gonna solve all the problems and we're gonna fix it. And I'm just a girl boss, so I'm gonna be you know. She just is like, dude, this sucks. Like, stop. Right. Like that's the most inauthentic message you could provide is like, let me solve your problems as a rich artist. That's where pop is though. Right. Because what's the title of the new Halsey album? If I can't have love, I want power. Yep. Yep. Something like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And as a fifth grade girl, I'm not thinking that. Right. I'm thinking good for you and, and you know, deja vu. Like those are the songs that like are going to attract me. And like as much as you can be like that's vapid and stupid, no, that's just good songwriting because it's universal. And mm-hmm. also, I totally agree. Like maybe this is like not the normal experience, but I'm having a much better time as an adult than I did as a kid. Like I feel like there's lots of challenges in high school specifically that suck. And so like I don't know, just oh, like totally. having someone be like, yeah, you know, like if someone tells you one more time, enjoy your youth, I'm going to scream, right? Like, I totally get that because like yeah. high school yeah. sucked for me. And I think like, you know, getting past that was great. Uh-huh. Uh, and all the people that I know who are like, oh, I would go back to high school in a dream. I'm like, what is wrong <laughs> what with you? What are you, doing? <laughs> what are you doing now? That's oh, yeah. not better than high school. But also I had a thought, Jonathan, what if I mm-hmm. proposed this to you? Okay. What if you, what if we just change the order and we move we swap jealousy, jealousy with good for you. 
would it feel a little more coherent then? Because I feel like the first half is a little bit more rambunctious, right? And yeah. and so maybe having like a, a little bit of a left hook at the end of that would feel more apropos than in the middle of four ballads. I don't I, know. Just I think it's just the the notes and the chord changes she used in gotcha. Jealousy, Jealousy, honestly. It's not the fact so that dissonant. it's more upbeat. It's it's just that it's so different yeah. than the traditional way that she was using chords, progressions, and the notes that she picked right. the yeah. rest of the songs. Um, I mean, and also talk about her, her relatable side a little bit. I have the Enough For You lyrics pulled up, which I think is a lot of girls' experience, unfortunately, is trying to prove themselves and make themselves, quote-unquote, worthwhile to guys, which is a ridiculous Um uh, the lyrics in the first verse are I wore makeup when we dated because I thought you'd like me more if I looked like the other prom queens I know that you loved before tried so hard to be everything that you liked just for you to say you're not the compliment type all right so but that song ends with this line someday I'll be everything to somebody else which is such a mature way to look at that I mean so many mm. people like our age don't see that don't see it from that point of view, which I think is just something to make sure people understand and hear. And um, I found the song that I was thinking about before. One Step Forward, Three Steps Back, the one that I thought we could talk about a little bit. Um, she's talking about a guy uh, who is hot and cold towards her. Um, she doesn't know who she's going to get. And in one part of the song, she says, and maybe in some masochistic way, I kind of find it all exciting. Like, which lover will I get today? Will you walk me to the door or send me home crying? And I mean, I don't think she's trying to normalize it, but some girls might take it that way. I have a theory. Yeah, I, I just wanted to hear your thoughts because I want to make sure that's, a thing that's not normalized mm, that like she's romanticizing it. right exactly and she did say masochistic yeah but if you don't understand that part of it you can take it the wrong way that to me sounds like a taylor swift song mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah. she helped write that song that's true that because there's nothing that's like true. that in any of the other songs right but there are things like out. that in taylor swift's discography yeah and i feel like that's more of a taylor swift thing and i honestly think based on the lyrics i've heard from this album that olivia rodrigo it, like handles relationships more maturely than taylor swift does at least in the songwriting i mean well, especially in enough for you like holy crap what a yeah. conclusion to make after going through all of that but i think to also this album doesn't exist to solve the problems no, right, not at all. Right, but I guess there is something to be said for like an irresponsible portrayal, potentially. Right. Not that I think that right. is, but I, mm -hmm. I totally understand where you're coming from, Jonathan. Yeah. I I feel like that kind of alley oops us into the next conversation that I wanted to start, and that is the fact that I just was looking at all of us at this table. I'm almost thirty. Um, you're probably close to me. Yep. Uh, you guys are upper twenties. This is the. Yep. I would I would argue that most of us are lean more into the like punk hardcore scene. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is the first time that guys in our age group that lean into our scene are talking and agreeing with a bunch of fifth grade girls about something musically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is the only time that's probably ever happened. 
Well, she's a brilliant lyricist. She's br- yeah. I mean, she's brilliant, but like we're sitting here like this is objectively awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guarantee you, she didn't write and it with us in I, mind. This yeah, isn't, this no. isn't. But like, this isn't guilty pleasure. No, the, like this is like I've been telling everyone. This right. is amazing stuff. Yeah, this and isn't this call is me the, maybe. This is the first time that like I have put on an album and had fifth grade girls sing the lyrics to it and be like, "This is an awesome." You know, like that. That has never happened. Well, and to take it a step further, because you were talking about the song "Enough for You," mm-hmm. that song gave me pause and made me think. How do I treat my wife? Right. Oh, like, oh, like when was the last too. time I told my wife she looked beautiful? I think she looks beautiful. When was the last time I said that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, okay. Like, that's egg on my face. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I can't remember the last time another album made me stop and think about, like, my behavior day to day. Oh, there are plenty of songs and lyrics in this album that made me think that. That particular song, for sure, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also... I know she said in an interview that she was approached by a couple who'd been married for 25 years and said that they were affected by what she wrote and just stuff that happened in their past or stuff that happening to them at that current time. Like they took stuff from it, like what we're talking about. Oh, totally. About. Well, and even like as a, like a single person and like the way I go about handling relationships or like, like dating, like this is a really convicting album for me because like I want to make sure that like I'm like I'm leaving things well um, mm. and being honoring and respectful and like and immature and I, I love that this album like calls out the BS mm-hmm. yeah. and, it, and it's just like yeah that's that's so true um, and I don't think ever has an album kind of made me get a better appreciation for what it's like to be a woman because most of the time when albums try to do that, they're being super heavy handed and like pedantic yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. But this well, is just so it's like honest. Beyonce girls run the world. Right. Right. Like girl, the whole girl boss thing is like what they lean into mm-hmm. in order for them to be like, well, you need to understand our struggles. Right. Which is like, it makes it hard to relate, but this is just like, it just like cuts your heart open in some places where it's like, man, women have it tough. And, and yeah. she's not like trying to make you, feel that way to gain sympathy or anything she's just right. being honest like these lyrics are a knife and beyonce's lyrics in that song are more like a rock trying to hit you over the head right and yeah. I, that and i actually really like beyond like i'm not and i'm not dissing on like the whole like no if that, if you're stoked and you're a girl boss great that's amazing that, i'm not trying to be critical of that because I, I do think that that's important to say i'm just saying they're two different approaches mm-hmm. for, for me as a guy like i'm not going to understand that mentality but I am going to understand something that I can emotionally sympathize with mm-hmm. and understand that way. If, if that makes sense, I'm totally not trying to be offensive. Totally not trying to dis like, go, go be a girl boss. Come on. I didn't write a timestamp down. So I, I didn't think that Jonathan approved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, and I, I watched this really interesting YouTube video on, um, you, uh, on, on pick me boys and the nice guy syndrome. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it was really interesting because it, I mean, basically the whole premise of a pick me boy is like somebody that's like, uh, that likes a girl and says to the girl, well, I would treat you better or I'd be better, you know, and like in hopes that they would pick them. Mm-hmm. And then the nice guy syndrome is a guy that uses kindness and feels like that is meeting the basic requirements for sex or for like in a, a relationship. Um, and like how those things are like rooted in misogyny and yeah uh okay so to like bring this back around 
this person on that the YouTube video, I wish I remembered who it was because I would give them credit for it. It was amazing. But they talked about how um, men, white men, we're all white men, have to do the least amount of thinking and self-reflection because we don't have to think about how we'll come off nearly as much as women because if, if women are too kind or too nice or too complimentary um, or too reserved or harsh, you know, like I don't need to say like what mm-hmm. you'll think of that, right? Like you get that. Uh, people of color, if they have to, they have to think about the way that they're being perceived. They have to think about the way that they carry themselves, where they go, what they do, you know. And so as, as white males, um, like learning, I, I think taking content like this and learning from that and trying to understand like, how, how can I be more self-reflective? How can I be more self-aware? Um, and, and another thing too that this person talked about is like, you should be really afraid of guys that don't have friends that are girls because that's a red flag because they don't know how to treat somebody and they don't know how to like foster that kind of friendship, um, which I think is interesting. And being able to listen to stuff like this and come away with self-reflection and come away better, I think is so important for, for us. And like, if you are a, a, a guy and you haven't listened to this record, like do yourself a favor and like listen to it and think yeah. about it and too. think about it. Like, yeah. yeah. It's easy to put this on and just kind of enjoy it for the musicality. Cause it's, great but yeah just kind of like give yourself a little think read over the lyrics i mean yeah i was just gonna say that yeah get the lyrics out mm-hmm. it's not like she doesn't enunciate clearly she does a great job of singing well so but yeah but, but, I think but read them over like i do think that there's like something special about the way that a song like resonates with you when you're reading the lyrics along to listening to it mm-hmm. yep and that's yep. one of my favorite things about like sitting down and listening to a record is almost all of them have all the lyrics included. So you can put it on and sit down and just read along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. Yeah. It's fun. Um, I think I'm going to be a little, um, scandalous and say, I don't know if I think she is a top tier vocalist or performer. I think she does a very good job, but I think the song she writes that is where she shines. I will say she released this album during a pandemic. It shot to number one. And I saw a video of her first live show where she was insanely famous at the time, but had never performed live, which is like almost no one has experienced something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I remember a clip of her just like pulling out an in-ear monitor and hearing the entire crowd singing her lyrics and just kind of like, she just kind of stopped playing because it was like such a weird thing. I just thought that was fascinating that like you can yeah. rise to stardom in a time where you don't really have interaction with your fans. That's crazy to me. And then yeah. she's just like a mega star trying to perform. And it's weird to her that people are singing her lyrics. I don't know. Just yeah. thought that was cool. Like a humanizing is, yeah, moment. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, and I think, and that's not to say like, I don't think she's talented. Um, Cause she is, mm-hmm. and she is a good vocalist. But what I'm saying is there's so much potential and room for growth. Right. And that's where I'm excited to see where her career goes. Because like she, there's like, I mean, really, if you think about it, like she's already amazing. And I feel like there's like, you could only get better. Can you name a better freshman album? I'm trying to think right now. Oh gosh. Mute math, baby. For me, but. I mean, maybe Nickelback. (laughs) (laughs) Hybrid theory. I mean, (laughs) yeah. I mean, so we've asked that question multiple times. 
on this podcast in season one. And usually my go-to answer is vampire weekend. Um, because that album's amazing. Right. Is it a better freshman album? Well, I feel like that's, I feel like that's very subjective. Uh, yeah. Like that's apples and oranges. Yeah. Sure. Cause I mean like it's, as like, let's go like the pop route. I don't think so. Because again, I, I think what this album is doing is it's like, it's a major, like Geffen is a major label, right? So it's yeah. like a major label release. But again, I think what it's doing is it's like, it's a crossing all the genre lines. And if, if we're sitting here at this table talking about it and we're aware of how good it is, and then the, the fifth grade girls are, that's doing something big. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like That's I, true. Again, I don't know if that's ever been done. Like this 20 years ago wasn't happening with Britney Spears. This 10 years ago wasn't happening with Ariana Grande. Like this is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I listen to Grindcore <laughs> and I like this album. Right. I listen to yeah. jazz. Yeah. And this is fantastic. So that's really cool. Uh I'm not going to say that. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to say that I, I thought she was a great vocalist. Okay. I think she is. Okay. I do too. I, I think she's a little better than you may give her credit for. She's not top tier, I don't think. Because, I mean, top tier would probably be like, I don't know, Ariana Grande or Demi Lovato. Or, like you Mariah know, Carey's Mariah range Mariah is unbelievable. Um, yeah. I, I do think Ariana Grande is incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate like Side so note, it's unfortunate the songs that she writes because I don't really like them that I know. much. Well, listen yeah. to her first album. I'm telling right, you, I it's should. really good. But she's insanely talented, so is Demi Lovato. Um, but yeah, you're right. She has a ton of room for growth. And she wrote these in her garage. She wrote these at her piano at her house. Yeah, yeah. And now so she cool. has to perform them for tens of thousands of people. And I, which I remember is so crazy. I can't fathom the idea of that. One day, it was just one random day where I showed up to sub for an art class. And I was playing music in every single random, like, like class, like 45 minute class. Mm-hmm. I would have a kid come up and say, can you play this song driver's license? And I'd be like, what is that? Mm. Yeah. And it was like, it was just one day where like randomly, like that was the big thing. And every kid knew about it. Yeah. Like that is, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to agree with Jonathan. I think she is a great vocalist. She, I mean, does she have room for improvement? Yes. Like arguably everyone does. Um, but I think that like it shines, especially f- in my opinion on Trader and Deja Vu. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now that I'm thinking about Trader. Trader specifically, there's the line in, in the chorus, you betrayed me. And I know that you'll never feel sorry. The way that she sings feel this like, note change that she does in the middle of that word and the way she does it is so incredibly difficult as a vocalist. I do remember that. Um, so I'm going to agree. And so that I've, I'm really impressed by, and that was actually like the last thing in my mental notes that I wanted to mm-hmm. actually mention specifically about this album, but even in deja vu, um, like all the falsetto work and everything in the chorus is like falsetto is hard. That was one of, that was a top note for me too. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do think like when you consider the fact that like she recorded all these songs when she was like 16 and 17 and she was singing them like that, like that's insane. 
Um, so I think she is honestly an incredible vocalist and I'm like excited to hear her get better even mm-hmm. because I think that she's on a trajectory for like being really, really amazing. Also um, sort of along the, the vocal lines, but just an interesting thing that she did in the bridge of driver's license is that she stacked vocal harmonies mm-hmm. in the bridge, which is something that Billie Eilish does all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, I know we were talking about how we don't see a lot of, you know, Billie Eilish, whatever the word is, um, in parallels or yeah, yeah. 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 One of those words. Um, but there's one. Well, that I, I, noticed. I was actually just going to say that I, cause vocally, I think she sounds a lot like Billy in terms of, cause Billy notoriously doesn't use post-processing unless it's really obvious. Like right. when mm-hmm. she goes hard on it and like drops her voice three octaves or something. And also, um, the band, she and him, which is Zoe Deschanel's mm-hmm. band, yep. um, uses absolutely none. And you can hear every mistake that Zoe makes when she sings, but there's something really charming about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I find a lot of vocal similarities there where it doesn't seem processed really at all. Um, and like, like you're saying, the layering is really good too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Cause Billy is notorious also for doing like a thousand takes, you know, until she gets it perfect. perfect. Yeah. I don't know what Olivia's process was. It sounds a little bit more raw, you know, yeah. when she sings than Billy does, but there's a similar quality to me of just like, um, you know, kind of like a more unprocessed but really polished vocal line. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's something about it that feels maybe more intimate than those yeah. super like cleaned up digitally voices that you hear nowadays. So, and what is, uh, what is the Tanner? What's the connection between um, Zoe Deschanel and Olivia Rodrigo? Well, let me tell you. Um, Olivia Rodrigo was on an episode of the popular comedy TV show New Girl, famously starring Zoe Deschanel. Wow, which I didn't know until today, and mm-hmm. I watched that whole show. I didn't recognize yep. Olivia. It was a smaller part. Yeah, she's a little baby too. Um, yeah. Does anyone else have anything to say? No. With this album, because I have I have a couple things. Not related to the album, but related to my new segment, Pick Up Lines with Jonathan. Oh, oh man. Okay. So, one of them, the first one, is one I've actually used. On it, Hannah? Uh, on Hannah? <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. You ruined it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I've never used these to pick up a girl ever. I've never picked up a girl, quote unquote. Um, I was homeschooled. You're, you're what, not do you, just yeah, what do you think? Picking up. <laughs> Like shouldering? No, no, that's not me. Fireman whatsoever. Um, and then one of them I saw today on Facebook, I think, and then the other one I just I just googled pickup lines and I found like a hundred ridiculous ones and I picked one that I thought was hilarious. So use them at your own discretion, but please use them and tell us how you use them because that'll be hilarious. Um, the first one is. Kiss me if I'm wrong, but dinosaurs still exist, right? <laughs> if the girl wants to kiss you, she'll ignore the fact that maybe crocodiles could be considered dinosaurs. And, and birds. <laughs> or birds. Or any you know, any of those very specific instances. Right? But and if she brings that up, maybe she's just being a butt. 
Or maybe she just doesn't want to kiss you, but you'll find out. Is this the one that you used? I did use this one. That's kind of brilliant. It was like six months into dating, though, and, and she felt bad for me and, and kissed me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you poor. <laughs> I think she felt bad. The, or maybe she maybe she can write into the pod and Yeah, and Anna, us. write into the pod and um, let us know. I'm not even sure she, she'll Recount remember this. That I do remember us. this, though. And I think she maybe thought it was a little funny, funny enough. All right. Um, I'm married and I don't know if that would work. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of the same thing. As soon as Jonathan so, was like, use this and let us know. I was like, as well. As the single person here, I'll do it. <laughs> okay. Oh, here's one. This one you can only use on one day out of the year. But if you do it right. It's like two days I, ago. <laughs> yeah, I did see it today. Dang, you guys are good. Are you today's date? Because you're 10 out of 10. <laughs> okay. Use that oh, next year. Oh, foul, Use that next year. And then last, the nice thing is it works yep. in Europe too. <laughs> oh, that's true. So, guys, uh, the last day of September, we were hanging out and the like, like all the teachers were chilling, and one of the science teachers, Brad, he's like, oh. Remind me, he was like walking out of the room. He's like, Oh, by the way, like, remind me to uh, get a hold of Green Day tomorrow. And we're like, Why? And he's like, Well, because September's ending. <laughs> Somebody oh, wake up, like, Green Day. <laughs> we, we oh my gosh. Lost it. It was the funniest, like, I, because I, I had, I never saw that meme, but like, it was the okay. funniest thing I've ever seen or ever heard. That's too funny. All right, here's. The last one, the okay. one I just pulled off the internet like a few minutes before coming here. There are a lot of great ones, some that were horrible and some that were not funny, some that were a bit ridiculous. This one I just thought was amusing. Your middle name must be Gillette because you're the best a man can get. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh Please my use gosh. that one. If you had to use any of them, use that one. I honestly don't know that my wife so knows that funny. reference. Really? Yeah. Interesting. When was the last time you saw a Gillette commercial? I that mean, used that tagline. Football, though. Okay. Yeah, that's See, typical. So maybe that's a tag or a pickup line that men appreciate, but women <laughs> won't even know. I don't know. It's from a shaving commercial. Look it up. Doctor Disrespect has a he recorded a song and that's the only lyrics. Gillette, the best a man can get, <laughs> just over and over. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> And if of you don't course. know who Dr. Disrespect is, ask your nearest fifth grader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a, a date on Thursday, so I can maybe try that line out. Oh, nice. Nice. There you nice. go. Which one, though? You yeah. can't, obviously not the second one. You're maybe too, maybe you the miss- dinosaur one, because I feel like that is the most cute, f- yeah. funny. It's yeah. a little cute. Yeah. It's also a little forward. Yeah. If it's like a first date, right? Yeah, it could be well, like, I mean, if things go well. That's true. That's and, true. And, he, and even if they don't kiss you, they might think it's funny and charming. Or you could say kiss me on the cheek or something. Or you can say, you know. High five um, me. Kiss <laughs> High five me if I'm wrong. Or, or pay for my meal if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Walk out of this restaurant right now if I'm wrong. But... <laughs> yeah, that one works on many levels. You can use it to get rid of someone also. <laughs> right. That's true. It's brilliant. Decide if they actually... Give them an easy out. Summon yeah. them away. Yeah. <laughs> just 
Wait, what, summon someone away. There has to be a better way of saying that. No, I think that's Banish? right. I think okay. that's I the know. way. Yeah. Okay, let's just settle that's on that. That's how you say it. Great. Um, so, yeah, this has been a discussion of Sour by <laughs> Olivia hopefully, Rodrigo. hopefully, I guess one thought before we wrap it up. Did anyone have any criticisms of it? Because we've been just like singing its praises, right? I just did say mine. I had a criticism. Yeah, you did. My criticism is I, I hate it. No, I <laughs> it made me feel and I don't like that um, I mean I think you and I both said like <clears throat> there could be less ballads yeah <laughs> and more pop punk um, yeah or even another genre I guess but that's just, just kind of like a general philosophy I have is that there could be less ballads and more pop punk yeah I'm glad it didn't like, just go about life you know? R&B on your yeah. tombstone there's gonna be just quotations there could be less ballads usually I'm up for as much variety as possible, but I was fine with the number of ballads in this one for some reason. I don't know why. I guess for I me, it. they started to blend together a little bit. That was like, I mean, hmm. maybe I need to listen to it more. But I think the last two songs, like Favorite Crime, I Hope You're Okay. I mean, they are different, obviously, but at that point, it's just like, okay, the album's kind of coming to a close. So I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You don't want to end necessarily on a punk track on a breakup album. Right. Right. I I mean move. It it, it, I feel like a lot of this is nitpicks though. Right. Oh one hundred percent. Which is which is cool. I mean I I like when we have to nitpick. Yeah. And not be like I I hated this song, hated this yeah, like it's great. Would you give it out of ten? I was just gonna I was just thinking that. I was like when we discuss one album, we should rate it on a scale of ten. Give it a Fantano. No decimal points. Okay. Ten point scale. Starting with Jonathan. Oh boy, really? Like, are we comparing albums like all albums no, 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 that we've no, ever no. listened you, to? No. Well, What's, in my opinion, when you are reviewing something, you should mm-hmm. review it for what it is and not okay. for how it relates to. Like, if you, because yeah. I could think, I could think, for example, in video games, which is the reviews that I usually look at, I'll see a game that's rated ten out of ten. And I don't think it's as good as this other game that was rated 10 out of 10, but that doesn't mean that they're both not masterpieces because 10 out of 10 doesn't right. mean it's perfect. It means it's a masterpiece. Okay. So for what this album is, for me, having not really listened to an album like this before recently, um, I but I'm a huge fan of it. I have to listen to it a few times. I think it is a solid 9 out of 10 for what it is. Because you don't like Jealousy Jealousy? <laughs> yes. And there's a couple other small nitpicks, but honestly, the, I mean, it, we've talked about it. she's a lyrical genius, yeah, and instrumentally as well. I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten. Whoa, uh, and that's again not because like I th- I think it's bad, but I want I would go like off of like revisitability for me, um, hmm. like for example, like the new. Like, if we want to kind of go off of, like, girl pop, like, a very similar album by the band Kississippi blew, like, blew me away. And I've been listening to that. Oh, I should have said that. What was Gerard Wayne on my ears? Um, It's an amazing album, and I've been listening to that over and over and over and over again. This is something that I would revisit, but less. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think, like, the Kississippi album would be, like, a nine for me. For... This to me just seems a little less disjointed. I do think she's a little bit lacking vocally. Like, 
I do think like there are things that like, you know, too many ballads. There's just like some to be left. uh, I'm left wanting in some ways. Mm. And so it doesn't hit that full nail on the head. So, but I seven out of 10 is still great. Like all the negative things I just said, again, nitpicks. Mm -hmm. This isn't skillet. It's definitely not skillet. Um, I'm, this is more controversial than I thought it was going to be, but I'm going to say I think this is a 10 out of 10 album. Um, I genuinely think it's a masterpiece. I think that there was a goal in mind with putting the album together, and I think that it accomplishes it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, is it mostly ballads? And that's not necessarily what I would always prefer. Yes, but I don't think that that detracts from what this album is trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it's an incredibly strong freshman album um, that executes what it's trying to do. I mean, not flawlessly, but masterfully. So. Um, full disclosure, though, I guess the the really the only time that I had listened to the whole thing was like yesterday. Because oh, I, okay. I had only heard bits and pieces. And I feel like, because like my second favorite album of the year so far has been Million Masks of God by Manchester Orchestra, which I first listened to that album and I, and I, I didn't, I wasn't like, Oh, this is, I like legitimately disliked it. Mm. And then, um, wrote off the band and then listened to it a few more times and then started to really like it. And I, I tend to love music that has to grow on me. And so I'm actually, because I'm going to continue to listen to this, I'm Mm -hmm. excited to see where I end up. Because I'm at a seven out of ten now. Yeah. But like in a month, I'll probably like it a lot more. Yeah, I mean, and that's you know, I've listened to it probably close to fifteen times. Altogether. I mean, yeah, like this super cool guy got it for you for your birthday. That's like, true. Yeah. That's true. TK got it for me for my birthday. <laughs> Stop. Um, <laughs> Stop. Um, yeah, so I have listened to it a bunch. So I, I've definitely, you know, I've spent more time with like the album as a whole. Um, so yeah, but that's that's my rating. Uh, I'd probably give it a, a solid 8 out of 10. Um, for me, uh, I think it's genius. Um, and I think it... Sorry, what was your number? 8 out of 10. So... Seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, um, I I think it's incredibly impactful, but I kind of agree that it doesn't have a ton of re-listenability per se. I would say the first three times I listened to it, I was very moved. Um, but it's like part of its genius is its simplicity. But you know, it's like you can't necessarily get something new out of it every single time you listen to it after you've kind of been hit with those hard notes, especially if you read along to the lyrics while you're listening to it. Exactly like you said, that's what I did like the second time I listened to it. Listen to it on Spotify the first time, immediately bought the vinyl, and then, you know, listen to it on vinyl like two or three more times. Um, I just, I tend to gravitate towards albums that like you can listen to them over and over and maybe pick something up instrumentally that you didn't pick up before or some like really clever wordplay. I'm thinking about the Reliant K albums that to this day, I'll suddenly be like, Oh, that was a pun. I didn't get, you know, there's stuff like that out there that I think is lyrically genius in a different way. I think her, she's emotionally brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, and Reliant K is very clever, also emotionally brilliant, you know, 
but kind of in a different way. And and I can listen to like anatomy or two lefts over and over and over and pick out different stuff or like mute math. I'll pick out stuff instrumentally I hadn't heard before or like um, American football. So I don't know. For me, it's it's like it's it's an excellent, excellent album that I will always be down to listen through all the way through. Um, mm. Like there's no skip track for me. Yeah. Every yeah. single song is good, <laughs> which, which is, huge. is one of the reasons that I bought it on vinyls because that's one of my qualifications for pretty much every vinyl I have. I have to like all the songs. Um, but yeah, I just think that it, it's, um, she has so much potential and I, I could not be more excited for her next album. Um, and I, I honestly don't hope that it's like necessarily more complex or different cause I love what she's doing. It's just that for me, um, like it's not a hundred percent of what I want all the time and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's my rating, but I think I, I agree. I think it's a masterpiece. It's just like, um, it kind of hits really hard. Um, but it doesn't like have necessarily a ton of staying power per se. And maybe part of that is because it's been played on the radio so much that I'm like mm. a little bit over those songs. Um, yeah, but anyways, I just yeah. think she couldn't, she couldn't have done a better no debut album. And I, it hit me as you were talking. I think the best way to describe this album is emotionally intelligent. Yeah. 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 And that is, that's like the true masterness, masterpieceness. Yeah. Yep, that's a word of this yep. album. Ma- masterpiece didness, right? Yep, that. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're on very that smart guys. And on that note, hopefully, hopefully your taste in music just got, got a little, little more terrible. terrible. <laughs> Thought we had to say the whole thing together. I'm sorry. 